Welcome to the Marriage on Fire podcast, the show for couples that shares research-based relationship insights, advice, and strategies for creating and sustaining a happy and fulfilling marriage, where we look at the stuff that truly makes the relationship and how to live a good life. And here's your host, husband and dad and relationship coach, Gideon Hanacombe creator of the popular New Zealand-based blog, TheRelationshipGuy.com. What's up, everybody? This is Gideon, and welcome back to episode number 10 here on Marriage on Fire. We've made it to double digits, my friends. Thank you for your support over the last couple of weeks and the last 10 episodes. It is truly my aim and my mission to keep bringing you some good content that will really serve you in your marriage and your love life. So if you know there is somebody else out there that will still benefit from this, please go ahead and share this with them now. It really makes it worthwhile for me to keep bringing you this great content to serve you at the highest level with the things that I know, the experiences I have, as well as the questions and the comments that you share with me. It provides me a lot of food for thought and I typically try and use that to really turn it into something that I can serve you guys with uh, again. So today I want to talk about a very simple idea, give you a couple of simple strategies that you can start applying in your marriage and your love life right away that will make all the difference in the world. So the question we're going to talk about today is what is one change that you can make to start creating an amazing marriage or amazing love life? I truly believe that the only way to answer this question is by saying that if you want to create an amazing marriage or an amazing love life, you have to start treating your spouse or your partner, you guessed it, as the most amazing person to you. I want to repeat that because this is something I observe so much when I work with unhappy couples, but I also observe observe this with very happy couples. They all seem to either have this or don't have it. If you want to create an amazing marriage, an amazing love life, you have to start treating your spouse and your partner as the most amazing person to you. Now, I will unpack what that means to me in a little bit, but I want you to at least just start thinking about what this would mean to your life. How would things change for you if you started changing the way you saw your partner? How would how would it change things for you if you started treating your spouse as the most amazing person to you? How would they know? How would they pick that up? How would they sense that? How would they feel that? What would you have to do to make them feel that they are the most amazing person to you? Now, I know a lot of happy couples and these people are not perfect. They're just like you and me. They're also fallible. They have their quirks. They've got their issues. They have their flaws. But for the most part, they are happy couples. They're truly in love. They've been together for a while. And unless anything you know bad happens, they're probably going to be together for a long time still. The f- very interesting thing about most of these people is that they all tend tend to to share this trait of the way that they you know they all see their spouses as, as amazing people. And you can observe this and you see this just by the way that they're looking at at each other. If you spend time with them, the way that they look at each other, sometimes you'll catch them just, you know, look at each other and you can sort of see it in their eyes. They're just so in love still, even though they've been together for a long time and they've got a couple of kids, you know, they still have that look, that spark in the eye. When they look at their partner, they still have it. But you also hear it in the way that they speak to each other. There is a kindness to the way that they speak with each other. Even when they disagree on something, there is never a bite to the disagreement. They never try and hurt their partners. There's just a disagreement. A disagreement is something they disagree on and that's all it is. It doesn't go any further. It's no reason to escalate. 
you know, or escalate the the situation or take it any further. But the way they speak with each other, you can sort of pick up that they truly have a great respect for their partner, just in the way that they speak with each other. You also see them the way that they treat each other. There's certain things that you will never find them do compared to some unhappy couples. Um, and there's certain things that they do all the time. You know, there's always physical affection. There's always hugging going on. There's always, you know, stealing a kiss here and there. There's some dancing going on. They hold hands in public. You know, they, they just the way that they look at each other, the way that they kind of work together on problems or to, you know, work through projects or, you know, create a certain result. You just see it in the way that they treat each other. There is a lot of sort of admiration there. There's a lot of respect. Might I even use the word there's a lot of pride there. You can kind of see it in their eyes, the way they look at each, at their partner and the way they speak about their partner. There's a lot of pride there. And there's, of course, a lot of love. If I compare that, however, with a lot of unhappy couples that I know and I also have worked with in the past, when you compare it to them, these couples, almost all of them, lack this particular trait. The interesting thing is that with these couples, there is almost always something, or in some cases even someone, that is always more important than the spouse, more important than the partner. In some cases, it's even the person themselves. In some other cases, it's sometimes the kids. It could even be something that's good, you know, from the outside, looking from the outside in. It's something that we can argue is a good thing, but the reality is, is that when our partners don't feel like we see them as the most amazing people in the world and they're the most amazing people to us, when they sense that, that something else is more important, something else is priority, that ultimately tells, that ultimately becomes reflected within that relationship. So the real challenge for us, if we want to start creating an amazing marriage, the one change that you can start making is to change the way you view your partner, you treat your partner, you speak to your partner by truly seeing them and starting to treat them as the most amazing person to you. Now, at this point, some of you might be saying, well, that is great. I believe that and I buy in that, but how can I make my partner feel that they're amazing to me? I've been messing up for so long or our relationship is struggling. So, you know, I doubt that they'll even sort of feel that we kind of truly see them as amazing. So what can I do to really make my partner feel that they're amazing to me? Well, I think the way to answer this question is by answering a broader question of how do we typically treat anything or anyone that we think is amazing to us. Maybe a grandparent or a, a parent or some family member. How do you tend to treat those people? How do you treat maybe a friend that you think is really amazing or maybe a boss or maybe a work colleague that you think is really amazing? How do we tend to treat other people that are truly amazing to us? Well, when I thought of this question, five things sort of came to mind and I think these five things have sort of bearing on our relationships. I think it kind of has implications and it's very applicable to our love lives as well. When we think that somebody is truly amazing to us, the first thing that came to mind was that, isn't it true that we tend to then treat those people or treat those things um, as a priority? In fact, it changes how we do all other things, the way that we schedule our day, the way that we plan our weekends, the way that we use our time, the way we use our energy, the way we use um, you know, our finances. All of that changes the moment something is truly important and truly amazing. We think that it's really amazing and it's part of our lives. We tend to turn those things into priority and everything else gets sort of shaped or changed around that, not the other way around. When I look at unhappy couples, it is the other way around. 
very often it is everything else gets priority and the spouse is kind of the last on the to-do list and they feel it and they complain about it and they mention it and they say it but the spouses or the partners tend to be oblivious to the fact so the first thing is just start treating your partner as priority i think that is that's the first way that you can make them feel as truly you know you think that they're truly amazing make them a priority let them feel that they're truly important to you the second one that i think is evident when we think something is amazing is because we see something as important and a priority we then want to spend as much time as possible with that person or with that thing and again when it comes to marriage a one way to make your spouse your partner make you know feel that you think they're really amazing is to actually spend time with them to actually want to spend time with them you actually sort of in a sense schedule everything else and you plan everything else and you move everything else around so that you can spend as much time as possible with them I remember going right back when I was dating my wife back in the day she lived about two hour two and a half hours drive away from where I was living and when we were dating I still remember that I would literally move heaven and earth to spend as much time as possible with her. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I remember my my fuel sort of budget was blown pretty much every week, um, but I would just spend all my time, all my money, all my energy that I had that I had available. You know, I would pour it into our relationship to see her, to be with her, to drive to where she was and actually just spend a night with her or spend the day with her or whatever the case was. But I, I would I would really try and do everything I could to spend as much time as possible with her. The interesting thing is the longer we're together as couples, the longer we're married, that seems to dissipate, that seems to go away and couples start spending less and less time with each other and more and more time with other things that are outside of the relationship. The unfortunate reality is that has a consequence, that has a price that you will pay within the context of your marriage. So if you think something is truly amazing, if you truly believe that, then you want to reflect that in the amount of time that you actually spend with that particular person or that particular thing. If you think your spouse is truly amazing, you want to spend time with them and you actually want to sort of make that very evident. Number three is when we think something is truly amazing, not do we just not only do we spend a lot of time with that particular thing or that person, but we actually genuinely enjoy their company or if it is boring, we actually make it more enjoyable. We find a way to make it more enjoyable, but we just love being with that person or being in the presence of that particular thing. When it comes to marriages, unfortunately, is that oftentimes we are having a lot of fun in other contexts, in other situations, and our marriage becomes the thing that is kind of a party pooper, you know, or the, the, the sort of the damper on the whole thing. We need to swap that around. The way that I choose or the way that we choose to spend time together as a couple needs to be more enjoyable. It needs to be more fun. That needs to be the thing that I actually look forward to versus looking forward to just getting away from it to something else that is actually more enjoyable. When that starts happening, you're heading for trouble. So if you truly think that something or someone or your spouse in this case is is amazing or is that amazing, you need to genuinely make an effort to make it as enjoyable as possible when you do spend a lot of time together. And if you're currently stuck in a rut, then find a way to make things more enjoyable. It's got to be fun to be together. It is so, so important, so crucial. We've got to find a way to start playing together again, to have fun together again, you know, and just to create 
turn our marriage into this, the thing we want to escape to versus escape from. That is a very dangerous sort of place to be. A fourth thing that I thought of that we do when something is truly amazing is that because it is amazing and because it's important to us, we then tend to treat that thing or that person with care and respect. It's some, you know, simply put, we take care of it. You know, We look after it. So when your partner is truly amazing to you or you see them as truly amazing, you need to make sure that you treat them with care and respect. You need to look after them. And one of the best ways and most important ways that you can do that is number five, you need to make sure that their needs are being met. If your car, as an example, if you have a vintage car, right, and, and this thing is truly amazing, you've saved a long time to kind of buy it, or maybe you've built it up from scratch, you really love this car, you take care of it, you want to drive it, you want to spend time in it, you really enjoy it when you drive it. But you also obviously use the things that this car needs to, you know, to last you a long time. You put in the right fuel, the right oil, you'll probably wax it and wash it. You know, you'll do all these things to really take care of it to make sure that it actually lasts. Now, what is the difference when it comes to our marriages? If our spouses are truly amazing and really important to us, shouldn't we make sure that they're being taken care of, their needs are being met, and we treat it with respect. We actually simply put, take care of it. We take care of them, and we make sure that they get what they need so that their love tank, in a certain sense, is constantly full, and um, and that gets then reciprocated. They, they never run on empty, you know, because we make sure they never run on empty. They never lacking any love, respect, pride, a sense of admiration, a sense of take, being taken care of, a sense of being a priority and all those things because we make sure, we're making sure that they never run empty. We, we fill up their love tank constantly. So the question then now becomes as well, that is great, you know, but, but are there any specific things that my, my spouse would need? You know, what are the needs that my wife or my husband might have that I can focus on to actually make sure that they they're being taken care of. What is the, the right type of fuel they need? What's the right type of oil that they need? Again, there is many different ways to answer this question. I think a very good start is going with Gary Chapman's Love Languages. The book he wrote in 1992 is a bestseller. I think it's still a bestseller. But in this book, he talks about the five love languages. I think it is a great start. If you want to start meeting your partner's needs, start with these love languages. Understand what your, your spouse's love language is and then start to go to work on those things. Because sometimes we wanna meet our partners, our spouse's needs in a way that makes sense to us, um, but it's because it's important to us, not to them. And so we think we're doing what, it, you know, we think we're doing a lot to actually fill their love tank. We're actually doing a lot to meet their needs um, and thereby showing them that they're important to us and, and we think they're amazing. But the reality is we're actually missing, we're missing the target because we're doing it from a self-centered point of view. We are doing it from a place where it makes sense to us, but not really to them. So what are the five love languages that Gary Chapman talks about? I'm not going to go into these with too much depth. I've written about them on my blog and stuff, and there's obviously books on this. But I think it's important to at least know what they are because it gives you a good sort of starting point, and uh, and you can go from there. So the first sort of language of love that he talks about is what he calls words of affirmation. You can just call it words. Some of our partners need to be told that they're amazing. 
they need to be told constantly that they're uh, they're amazing we they're loved you know we t- you know we we think they're special we think the world of them they need to hear it now everyone needs to hear it every now and again but if this is your your partner's your spouse's primary love language this is the way that their needs need to be met they need to hear it from you then you might need to make sure that you tell them you need to tell them over and over just give them compliments you know praise them give them words of admiration give them words of of affirmation you know just validate them um, make sure that the way you speak at them is actually from a place of love and it's more love-centered, love-focused than criticism or complaining. So words is an important thing for some of our partners. That might be true of your spouse. The second love language is what he calls acts of service or just action for short. Some of our partners can be told all day long just how much we love them, but if, it's, if, if you fail to back it up with action by actually doing certain things, it won't mean anything. Conversely, however, is that you could be showing them that you love them, but if their primary love language is words, you just show them, but you never tell them, you never use words, you also might be missing them. So it's important to know which one is your partner's, you know, are they a person that's about words or are they a person that's about action? Now, of course, we all want to see our partner's love, but some of our love languages are, you know, some of us has this sort of um, love language um, of action as our primary love language. It's kind of like our mother tongue and it's the one that we converse in best. So if that's your spouses, you need to make sure that they see your love, not just hear about it. The third one that Gary Chapman talks about is gifts. Some of our partners, some of our spouses want to, you know, they feel most loved when we give them stuff, when we leave them little notes, when we you know, turn up with the surprise uh, bunch of flowers or the surprise holiday or, you know, we, we it, there's gifts and it doesn't need to be big because big is never good, you know, I think. Big is sometimes good, but in a context of relationships, as I said before, usually small is big and big is small. And so when it comes to gifts, I think it's the same, is that, you know, when we do these small, frequent gifts, uh, surprise gifts, that goes a long way into making our partners feel amazing and feel appreciated and feel loved especially if that's their primary love language the fourth one which is definitely my wife's is quality time one of the ways that some of our partners want to you know one of one of their needs or one of their primary needs in which they feel most loved is when we spend quality time with them so we can give them gifts all day long we can tell them that we love them we can do things around the house you know we can help out with the chores but unless we actually make time to spend quality time with them their love tank won't be full and they will run on empty at some point even though we're doing all the other things well so if this is your partner's primary love language you need to make sure that you're building in time to spend alone that's quality with your partner it is not good enough only to have family time because what your partner wants is actually quality time with you. So if that's your partner's primary love language, you need to make sure that you actually kind of meet that need. The last and fifth sort of love language that he talks about is physical affection and touch. That obviously speaks for itself, but some of our partners won't feel fully loved unless we physically show affection. We physically touch them, you know, hugging and kissing and and all, all that type of stuff, foot rubs and massages. Now, again, we all love getting these, but for some people, it's their primary love language. It is sort of, again, their mother tongue. And you can be doing all the other ones very well. Tell them that you love them and do things around the house and spend quality time. But if there's no physical touch, no physical affection at any time, at any stage and that is their primary love language 
their love tank will also not be completely full. So if this is your partner's primary love language, you need to make sure that you actually meet this need, especially if you're somebody you know to whom this doesn't come naturally. If touching and hugging and stuff isn't the way that you grew up, you better learn how to do that for the sake of your partner. Why? Because if you truly see your partner as the most amazing person to you, you will do whatever it whatever it takes and whatever is required to make sure that they feel that they are the most amazing person to you. Now at this stage, some of you might now ask me, well, that is really great information, but how do I actually know what my spouse's primary love language is? Well, you can answer this question in many different ways. I think the simplest way to answer this question is to simply start paying attention to what they're always hinting at. What are they constantly complaining about? What are they What are they sometimes even nagging about? What are they sometimes even fighting about with you? Something that really triggers them. And sometimes, you know, what, what are the things that they sometimes outright tell you? I want you to start looking for a theme because when you start paying attention rather than just succumb to emotional arousal and just get sucked into needless arguments and stuff or worse, judge yourself or, you know, then start criticizing your partner when they're trying to convey something to you, start paying attention to their complaining, their hinting, their nagging, the fighting, you know, start paying attention to that and start paying attention or start figuring out what is the theme that, that sort of runs here? What is the theme that is underlying? If it's always about quality time, that you're not spending enough time together, you can almost bet your last dollar that is what your partner needs. If it's always about you don't tell me that you love me, you know, or you don't show me that you love me, or you know, it is like you, you never touch me, you never hold my hand, or any of those type of things, you want to start paying attention to the theme and start with that. That is a good place to start. That will definitely most likely get you on the right you know, get you in the right direction and give you put you on the right track and you will probably get a very, very big, you know, bang for your buck by starting with that. So start paying attention to whatever it is that they're complaining about because what they're actually saying to you is that my needs aren't being met. This is how I want you to meet it. But again, some couples, some partners are completely oblivious for what their partners are saying because they're more interested in defending their own position versus actually hearing what their partner is saying and making sure that their needs are being met, their love tank is being filled. So I hope that was helpful, guys. If you have any more questions, just please send your questions to me, and I will aim to answer them either personally or I might even tune it into a blog post or into a podcast episode. Of course, you know, do it anonymously. But um, if you have got more questions on this or anything else, please send them to me, and I will make sure to answer them, address them in some point or in some way in the future. Again, I hope this served you. If you think that somebody will, will, will benefit from this and it will serve them, please make sure that they get to, uh, to hear this. So in the meantime, as I always say to all of you, please go out, live and love fully and also take care of each other and we will see each other soon. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Marriage on Fire. If you found today's show helpful, please make sure to follow and share it with someone you think needs to hear this. Also, Take a moment and head over to therelationshipguy.com to connect with Gideon directly. Again, thanks for listening, and make sure to tune in soon for our next episode of Marriage on Fire.